To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Warmers Podcast, episode 115. Your Opinionated Bench Warmers are back for another edition of the podcast. The NFL 2022 NFL Draft edition of the podcast. We got your boy Los in here. Say what's up, Los. Yeah, what up, what up? We got Ramon in here as well. What up? And we are here. I just wanted to start off by saying that you can find us on O underscore Bench Warmers on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, Opinionated Bench Warmers, on your favorite uh, favorite podcast platform, wherever you like to listen to it. And if you're in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, we are on the radio every Thursday, 9 a.m. to 12, as part of the Simply Simone show. That's 99.1 FM if you're in the Baton Rouge and New Orleans area, taking care of all the sports. Fellas, we're excited. We're in here for what we call the NFL Draft Edition of the podcast. A bunch of names will be called. Lives will be changed coming April 28th of this week. When guys' names will be walking, when guys will be walking across that stage, I know that y'all have a bunch of prospects that y'all have been looking at for fantasy purposes, and y'all also have a bunch of guys that y'all probably feel like are gonna make an impact. That's riding their sleepers. We're here to discuss it. We're here to discuss also there are a couple wide receivers that are at odds with their team that want big paydays. So we'll talk about that as well. But uh, I just want to start off, man, asking y'all fellas, how y'all feeling, man? Good, man. I mean, it's the highly anticipated draft week. So, I mean, again, I feel like this, it takes forever to get to this point. So I'm happy. It's good. A lot of action happens, not only during the draft, but trades, all types of moves happen. You see the future shape and you see what teams are going. You see what those free agents that are waiting to after the draft, who, where they can possibly sign. So it's a lot of things that happen during this weekend. So it's an exciting week of football. Yeah, no, same. I agree, man. It's definitely an exciting week of football, something to uh, always look forward to. I think that kind of on another end, and I know this isn't a fantasy podcast, but being in a dynasty league kind of makes you even look at the NFL draft in a different way and kind of has your eyes on it in a different way. So, you know, I know that we'll all be tuned in and kind of seeing where these respective players fall because we'll be looking at it from that aspect too. But I'm just really excited about it. You know, I'll be kind of chilling Thursday because I don't got any action happening for my team specifically. But after that, uh, we'll get rolling in the next couple of rounds. So uh, it's still going to be exciting. I'm excited, too. You know, my Saints traded for two first-round picks from the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm looking to see what we're going to do with that 16th and 19th pick. We'll get into that a little later. Uh, but we'll start off with the biggest news that's been buzzing around the league so far, and that's why I received Debo Samuel from the San Francisco 49ers is asking for a trade. It seems to come out of nowhere. I've never heard of a guy that's literally the offense getting the ball all the time because he played that hybrid running back wide receiver role. 
But here's a guy that says that he wants out. Uh, he says that it isn't money. Then he comes out and says that, that it is money. Uh, some people rumored are saying that he doesn't want to play the running back hybrid role. What do y'all make of this, man? Debo Samuel won't not a 49ers. I don't know, man. I think it's much deeper, and I think it's some stuff that that's not being said. You know, I think a lot of the stuff that's coming out is surface level stuff. I think it's way deeper. We we probably would never find out really what happened or what's the disgruntled. He probably felt disrespected by the offer that he got, and then it just kind of went downhill from there. You know, he is the offense. We've seen it. He's single-handedly beat our team, my team, the Rams, a couple times. So this guy, I mean, he deserves the bag, you know, and the the, the beating he takes on his body from those uh, jet sweeps and those design run plays and those quick screens and things that he do. Not only that, he catches the ball down the field, too. So the dude, the dude is special. And he deserves every nickel. Right now, I think it was somewhere he's getting paid like 2 to $4 million this year. So he's he's grossly – underpaid right now so he deserves a bump and a bump soon yeah no I agree you know I know there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes but I'll just you know say from the 49ers aspect this is kind of one of the best years that this could possibly happen you know as we'll get to this is a really deep draft for the wide receiver position so if you were ever in a position to you know move a guy around or to try to get some pieces back uh try to get a first round pick or so and get a replacement piece, this is definitely the draft for it. So um, I think that it will be interesting. We'll kind of see if a move is made prior to it or if it's made on draft night. Uh, but, you know, I definitely think that he will be on the move, and this is the perfect time, honestly, for the 49ers when you look at all the wide receiver talent in this draft. You got to think. I know he said that it's not money, but I think when you look at boy who got that big payday, who was that? Uh, was it, it wasn't uh, was Cedric Kirk. Wilson. Cedric Wilson. No, you talking about yeah, you're talking about Christian Kirk. Kirk. Christian Kirk, my bad, my bad. Christian Kirk, um, getting that big payday that he got. I think that that kind of messed up the wide receiver market because he was overpaid for what he's accomplished so far this season. So it's a weird situation with the 49ers, but like you said, Ramon alluded to that there's a lot of talent in this wide receiver draft. And uh I don't know, maybe Debo on the second end picked the wrong time to to have be disgruntled and because it seems like he doesn't really have any leverage. We're not expecting the 49ers to make a move before Thursday's draft for sure um, here. But uh, I guess for splits and giggles, what do you guys feel like? What do you feel like Debo will end up? What do you feel like 49ers will make a move here? Uh, I mean, again, I think you look at the situation, I would say the Jets. The Jets have ammo. They have m- multiple first-round picks. And they're looking at that that number 10 pick, I believe, they have as a pick that can go to the 49ers and the 49ers can instantly turn that into a weapon that they can use, uh, you know, switching out Debo. Obviously he's, I think he's worth a little bit more than just the 10th pick. So to come more than that, but I would say the Jets, the Jets will be a good situation, not a good situation like fantasy wise, but as far as a good trade partner for the 49ers. Yeah, uh, no, I definitely agree with that. I think that just kind of going off the top of my head right now, uh, if I were to pick a potential spot, you know, I know this is a little bit further down in the first round, but because of the ammo that they already have too in next year's draft, I think that the Eagles are looking for, you know, somebody to pair with uh, Devontae Smith. I think if you make it the Devontae and Debo show, you give them the first round pick from this year, you have some ammo in which you got from the Saints for next year. That way the 49ers can still grab, you know, probably one of those receivers that's sitting, you know, probably the number four or five receivers sitting in this draft. Uh, at that potential spot and then you can have some ammo in next year's draft as well 
uh, I think that, you know, kind of off the top of my head, that that could be a, a decent landing spot as well. Real quick, back circling back to the Jets, too. At one point I wanted to make is they also have been in on the Tariq Hill. They were also rumored to be in on Devontae Adams. So they have been fishing for one of those alpha number one type of guys. So, again, that goes back to the point that, hey, is this the time that they actually get the guy that they want? And it's been rumored that Debo wants to get back on the East Coast closer to South Carolina and, you know, being back on the East Coast, going back, going to New York, obviously that gets him a little bit closer than being across the country in um, California. So, again, all those pieces match up, and I, I, I think it's ideal. Yeah, and right quickly on that, too, even with the Jets, you know, they have definitely talked about um, kind of wanting to go that, that route of putting, obviously, but weapons around Zach Wilson and their young quarterback. You've seen – what uh, Cincinnati was able to do in Joe Burrow and, and getting weapons around him. And that led them on a run. And you see uh, really the way that the LA Chargers are looking to put the weapons around, um, to put the weapons around Justin Herbert, it, even them looking probably in this first round for a wide receiver. And so uh, it looks like they're trying to get some talent around that young uh, quarterback and Zach Wilson to make sure that he has his options, you know, with Elijah Moore over there, uh, with what he has in that backfield as well with Michael Carter and getting another weapon. And so, you know, that, that brings credence to that as well, too. Yeah, I, I was thinking more of a team that's probably a piece away that lost a big piece over the overseas, uh, over the offseason in Devontae. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. When you look at uh, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, they just signed a big contract there. They're really needing to replace um, Devontae Adams in some type of way. And I think with a deal like this, they can move into the, into the right direction. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers being an agent quarterback, uh, a great agent quarterback, I think he has a lot left in the tank. But uh, the Packers are going to really have to start looking into getting him some weapons. And I think that getting a guy like Debo would probably uh, please him a lot uh, in getting a guy like that. So maybe the Packers get into some action like that. I think the Packers will be in the market for a wide receiver and weapons in this upcoming NFL draft. Uh, but that, that's that's why I'm at with it. Um, do, do you see any you know, any other wide receivers that's having any issues? Is it DK as well? People speculating on DK. Yeah, Terry yeah. McLaurin too. Terry McLaurin as well with the Commanders. Um, I mean, what do you, do you see any much, much movement? I don't see any much much movement happening until after the draft. Um, yeah. But- no, no, no. I think you I think you hit it when you said the Christian Kirk thing. The Christian Kirk thing. I think you look at across the NFL how many GMs are mad with the Jaguars organization for giving Christian Kirk that deal, you know, because now you reset the market. You made it so where these guys that are getting paid less than him or around him, like, Hey, the market has gone up. Even for corners. They're like, if this guy that I lock up every game is getting this, I need to go up. You know, the prices went up on all of us. And so <laughs> you can see the shift in the market, all these receivers and all these disgruntled after that deal happened, all the movement with Tariq Hill, Devontae Adams, all these big names because they, okay, my price is up too. Who's going to pay me that price? And so whatever team decided to pay that price, they got traded to that team. And, again, the Jaguars changed the game with that. And every other deal now is pretty much compared to that. They they pissed off a lot of people. Yeah, I, I ain't going to lie. Ultimately, I'd be fine because I'm counting my millions and all that, but I kind of feel played if I was Christian Kirk. And basically everybody's saying that the market is now being reset because of me and everybody looking at me as a scrub and saying that I need to get more than you. I feel kind of played, even though, you know, I may be, you know, feeling played on the way to the bank as well with all that money, but still. Like, well, it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't how they feel as feel about him as a person or even talent-wise, but his numbers, 
His uh, numbers. His numbers been don't made. really justify he's been the made. money that he got. So just for reference, what is it? Uh, his new average will be $18 million a year. Is that, is that correct? 17, 18 a year, yeah. yes. 17, 18 a year. Was it three or four years? I think it was like four, right? I three. think it was like a four-year 17 mil deal. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, you know, guys are really looking at that and, you know, kind of raising an eyebrow there. But who who knows? Christian going to have to ball out this season. He's going to definitely, he's gonna have to justify that salary. Uh, but I think Terry McLaurin, I think he stays put. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, I, I'm interested to see where this going to go. Unless they're willing to sit out a year, I don't really feel like this getting worked out, especially with this upcoming draft and franchises knowing they can pick up something cheaper and, and talented in this draft. So, um, so moving on, uh, I think we could start with the mock draft. Um, are they, did y'all have anything else y'all want to add to it? No, nah, man, I think we hit it. The draft overall it is a very weak quarterback draft. Are y'all surprised at that, man? It's been the, this is the weakest quarterback draft I've seen in a while. Not to say that these guys won't turn out to be talented, but just as far as the hype around them, um, I guess the, you know, the typical, there's no typical like star coming out of this class. And this is for the first time in a long time, you know, it's quite clear that a quarterback will be taken late because of the t- lack of talent there. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, I would say that, honestly, I would venture to say that any of the top, what, four or five guys, I want to probably say five guys from last year, would have been the number one quarterback on this board. So that just lets you know how weak this draft class is, honestly. Like, if you go Trevor Lawrence, if you go Zach Wilson, you go Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and uh, Matt Jones or McCorko, as Los likes to call him, uh, I think that uh, I think that all five of them would have gone ahead of any of these quarterbacks in this draft. So uh, I think that it's going to be end up being a draft that, you know, a team ends up reaching on one of those guys and using more draft capital than they would want to just because you kind of have to take a guy. But to me, this is kind of for me as a franchise, this is the draft that I would want to steer clear of quarterbacks because I'm looking at the 2023 class as a really good quarterback class. But. Yeah, I mean, here you got Matt Corral, um, some of the top – I'm just going to go through some of the top five guys, uh, analysts are trying to make uh, be this. You got Matt Corral, who's just coming off an injury in the bowl game from Ole Miss. You got Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh, who's never convinced me. I don't know what other scouts see, but, hey, they're professionals, supposedly. Malik Malik Willis uh, from Liberty, he's very intriguing to me because his athleticism and his arm talent. Uh, but, you know, there's nobody that's really just just blaring off the page. Then you have a severe drop in, in Sam Howell and then Desmond Ryder out of Cincinnati, who I'm not convinced about. Then, I mean, the rest of the guys probably aren't even worth mentioning. So, again, here you go. You got a weak quarterback draft. Um, so you probably will see a lot of positions, uh, positional players taken here. Los, what are your thoughts on this weak quarterback draft this year? Yeah, I mean, just because of the position, I think along that it – pushes up, pushes it up, you know, up boards. You know, if you look at this draft, you know, if they don't have any connections to these NFL teams, you know, you just look at it from a talent standpoint, I think a lot of these guys are second round talents. And I mean, again, that may sound bold and I might sound crazy a year from now, but again, I think a lot of these guys are second round developmental pieces that there's not going to necessarily come in and take over the league right away. No Joe Burrows in this league, you know what I'm saying? No big Ben Rocklebergers that's going to take over rookie year and lead their team, you know, um, the first year. So, again, I think, you know, I, 
a lot of these guys have good tools that's just missing one good thing. And we talk about Kenny Pickett. They say that he is one of the most um, NFL-ready QBs coming into the league right now. But, again, you look at him and the lock on him was his hand size and things coming into this draft. So, you know, uh, who who knows how that turns out? Because, again, you historically don't see quarterbacks with hand sizes uh, uh, smaller than nine inches perform well. Just historically looking at it over the years. And he's one of those guys that, yes, his hand, I think, grew up – grew maybe like half an inch or something at his pro day, which it's is <laughs> like, how does that even happen in between <laughs> the combine? They let him wear gloves or something. <laughs> <Had stretches>. him. <laughs> I don't know what type of hand exercise he's been doing, but again, kudos to him for, you know, having his hand size grow. But again, I don't see him as being a guy that is a surefire, like cool. He's going to come in and that team is going to do better. You know, even again, we look at last year's draft. Those guys were rated higher. Again, it was just their first year. Trevor Lawrence struggled in his first year. Justin Fields struggled in their first year. And I see those guys as being better than these class. They would be one and two for me in this class. Zach Wilson struggled in his first year. I would still have those guys one, two, and three over these guys in this draft class. Yeah, and then you see Zach Wilson is not specifically fast off the blocks coming into this league. He's had his struggles. Um, So, yeah, it's – it's not very good. I mean, but Malik Williams, I, he does intrigue me. If you, I feel like he he needs to go to a team where a team can can afford to wait. You know, maybe uh, I, I'm just throwing this out here. I don't know the specifics uh, of of this right now. I'm just throwing it out here. But a team, just as an example, I would say a team like the Colts. You know, if they could get a Malik Willis in, you know, like your Colts remind, and you know Matt Ryan's gonna be our quarterback at least for the next three years they could afford to allow Malik Willis to come come along under a Matt Ryan. So I really feel like it would have to be a team like that that can afford to wait on Malik Willis. But I think if he's thrown into a situation where he has to be the guy up front, I feel like that would be another quarterback prospect that could potentially be ruined. Yeah, to, to go on that really quickly, I think that, you know, I don't know if he'll slide this far, to be honest, but I think Tampa would be kind of an ideal slot where, you know, Tom Brady is going to be heading out of there we thought he was gone and we did a whole pod, you know, that we, you, we need Tom to repay us down. for it. <laughs> yeah, we did a whole pod about this man retiring, but I think that that would be a solid landing spot where, Hey, you can come sit behind the goat for a year, maybe two. We never know what Tom is going to do. And then you can, you know, step into that spot and still have weapons around you, but they are a little bit further down that first round. So I don't really see him falling necessarily that far, but. So I look at three different spots when I think about Malik Willis. It's been rumored, and it's kind of getting louder and chatter getting louder from him and the Steelers. The Steelers have been one of the teams that have not been very secretive about who they want to take. The All of my drafts, they just be up front. And then you know how Tom, Tom, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin is. He is just straightforward. He don't, he come, don't cut corners, and he said he liked Malik Willis. You know, you look at last year, like every mock draft had Najee Harris being taken and they took Najee Harris. And so, again, I don't know if they have to trade up. They have a 20th pick right now. They will probably have to move up to get him. Um, But that's one spot I'm watching. And the other two spots I'm watching is Atlanta at eight with um, uh, Marcus Mariota there as a bridge quarterback. And I'm looking at the Saints in the middle of the round as well, because, again, the rumors are getting really loud about the Saints taking the quarterback in the first round using one of those picks. On the quarterback. So those three spots, I think, are good spots for him. Again, not necess- 
I mean, there's two situations you look at it. You look at a situation where he can sit behind a guy or he get in a situation where he has an offense kind of build around him where he doesn't have to take over, where he can kind of get that Ben Roethlisberger treatment where they're running the ball a lot, they're uh, giving it to the receivers where they have a good offensive system where he doesn't have to make a bunch of plays. He has one or two reads and he's making a throw or he's handing the ball off. Give him that time to develop that way. Yeah, that, that's a good point, man. That's a, good, a real good point. I like those ideas. But being it is a weak quarterback class this year, I think that it's going to be a situation where um, I think a lot of guys uh, is pointing to a lot of defensive players being taken early. Um, as we're seeing, we might see another corner taking top five in Sauce Gardner. Uh, what do y'all guys think of him as a prospect? Uh, and do you think that he'll be worthy of that top five pick? Or do y'all think he'll be in the top five this, this upcoming so, draft? So when I look at Sauce Gardner, again, that's one – he's a guy that's not lacking confidence at all. He's already came out and say, like, hey, you know, I'm the best in this draft. And, I mean, what is he supposed to say? But at 6'3", 190 pounds, and he had the production in the NFL, and he's been relatively healthy. I mean, I think a lot of us LSU fans, we know who we thought was the best corner coming into this year before the year really started, you know, and that's um, uh, Stingley. Stingley. Right, Derek Stingley, right? But with his injury history and things that happened, it's kind of bumped him down now. Derek Stingley's still going to go number one. But Sauce Gardner, I think he's worth that top five pick. And, again, a, a, a team is – corner is one of those things that transition well. You play well at the college level. And, with again, like wide receiver as well, they transition well. You get production in college, you're likely going to get production in the NFL as well. Yeah, and, and what I would say about, you know, Sauce, you already kind of mentioned the measurables, the confidence, all of that kind of stuff. But if you just get down to the nitty gritty of it, he did not allow a touchdown in his three year <laughs> career. He did not allow a receiving touchdown. I repeat, he did not allow a receiving touchdown against him in his three year career there at Cincinnati. And so, uh, you know, he's put in basically the resume is there. He's put in the work. You know, I'm still a little bit biased because I ultimately believe just me personally that as far as, like, highest upside in the draft, I think that Stingley is there with, like, anybody. Yeah. Stingley is arguably could arguably had the highest upside <laughs> of any player in this draft. But you got to kind of go with uh, kind of the total viewpoint. You know, Sauce has, has proven over the three years that, hey, he's a lockdown, shutdown corner. And so, you know, I think that he will be worthy of that top five billing uh, if he does, in fact, go up there. Okay. All right. Yeah, I like uh, I like those thoughts. I think it's well said. Uh, you know how I feel about Derek Stingley, so I'm not going to reiterate those points either. So we can get into our fake mock draft. Fake mock is the same meaning, but hey, right. drive the point home. <laughs> and we'll start off with the number one pick. Is there any question of who should go number one here with the Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, I think there's a little bit of question. This year, I think this year... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this year is it's in the air because again, you one you're dealing with the Jaguars and who we see <laughs> making, you know. Two, it's like you know you just never know. Right now, they're talking. I think three different players. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson. You're taking Kayvon Thibodeau, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you got obviously uh, Trevor Walk, Trevon Walker. Walker, yeah. And Trevon Walker has been rumored. I don't know. Again, you get a lot of these rumors coming out late in the draft. Trayvon Walker has been rumored as being that number one guy. And again, he doesn't have the production and stuff that Aiden had in college, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. But again, if they like 
they like the measurables. His, yeah. He tore up the combine. The combine open eyes where people have to go back, hey, let me go look at this dude's film and see what I'm missing. And then, you know, you go back and look at the film, he is making plays. He's dropping back in coverage and not tipping balls and things that you're not really used to seeing that guy at his size doing. And, again, running the 4-5 at his size puts him in the conversation. So, again, it's one of those things that is – Okay, guys, really way to take question. the fun out of this. This is the OB mock draft. We got to pick one. Yeah. Who are we going with? Hey, we got to let the listeners know, man. Yeah. <laughs> man. I'm going Aiden Hutchinson. I'm going to go Trevon Walker. I'm I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go Walker as well, man. It's just All right, so so for OB purposes, let's go Walker. Why do we? Okay. Go Are we getting this down? Because we gotta let the listeners see our mock. We gotta drop this, man. Walker. Okay, so Trevon Walker. Since y'all in love with him, y'all go into it. Yeah. No, I just <laughs> think that. Oh. Like Lowe said, man, uh, he's a guy that that has all the measurables. He blew up the combine. We know that he was in the best defense, you know, in the in the nation this past year with the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, he's a guy that can pretty much do it all, you know. So I think that what is happening and what's separating him a little bit from Aiden Hutchinson is that Hutchinson, in my opinion, did have basically kind of the better season and better career as far as numbers and production. But Trevon Walker is just that, uh, lack of a better term, I don't know if I want to say freakish athlete, but but he's trending kind of in that way where you look at this guy and say, okay, if I translate his measurables, if I translate everything that he is from an athlete into our system, then he has the higher upside. And so I think that that's what they may look at with this pick. To me, Aiden Hutchinson is the safe pick. I think Trevon Walker, when you sit at that number one spot, He's that guy that has that highest upside. And so I think that that's well, part of what they look well, at. Well, the thing is, I mean, of course, officially on our OB board, we'll go here, but to play devil's advocate with that pick, when you got the number one pick, you can't miss. You got to get something for sure. And I think that with Trayvon, I think a lot of uh, analysts are saying that he is a project that he may take a year or two to develop. Um, I don't know if necessarily that's somebody that you want to take with your number one pick, but uh but I mean, like you said, I mean the measurables off the chart. Uh, he is the name that's buzzing, and um, I like it because it's gonna create a lot of buzz online as well with our listeners. <laughs> so, uh, so that number two pick. Let's go to number two. The Detroit Lions has this number two pick. Who y'all got? Yeah, I say right then you go Aiden Hudson. You got the hometown guy. You got Michigan. Him going right there to Detroit, and then it all just makes sense. And then they get a. They get a, a cornerstone piece where you can build a defense around for all the things you mentioned, Ramon, uh, Rob, that he's he's good. He's just that good in the best defense. Yeah. yeah I, I think I mean, that, yeah, you can go ahead. Son. Yeah, I think when in Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, he had uh, the highest PFF grade among all defenders in FBS uh, this year at Michigan. Uh, he clearly was a star. Uh, when you're watching the Michigan game, if you hadn't had a chance to watch many of them, he does stand out. I mean, you know, you, you if you didn't even if you didn't know who he was or what his name was you're like dang who's that guy who's that kid flying to the ball so I think Hutchinson um in Detroit as they're constantly struggling on defense if they can really just stay healthy if they can just stay healthy uh along with uh with the with the with the corner that they took I forgot his name I can't think of his name right now y'all know his name out of Ohio State he went Mario like Kuda. Jeffrey he, Okuda yeah, if Jeffrey Okuda could come back and, you know, they, 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 you know, Aiden Hutchinson could really be a cornerstone for the, for those guys out there in Detroit. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. So, 
the Houston Texans with their third pick, what direction do you guys think they should go? I'm going to say, I'm going to leave it out because I think I'm probably not going to be agree with. I think the Houston Texans should go ahead and grab Derek Stingley. I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, I think his ceiling is, is through the roof, like Ramon mentioned. I think pr- prior to him going after his freshman seasons, people were saying he was ready to be in the NFL after that season alone. He's a one of those cornerstone talents. He's a he's a transcendent talent. Um, he came even off the industry to show how much of a freak he is. Off of injury, he just completely obliterated everything in his pro day. He the talent is still there. And the Texans that don't have much going on as is, why not go ahead and get you a corner that you can uh, shut down at least one half of the field or you can match up with some of the best receivers in the league every year. I think that's a position right there at number three that you can just start there. They can have some stability in a position that they haven't had stability in in a long time. So I'm going to go Derek Stingley. It may not make it through, but I'm a huge Derek Stingley fan going to Houston. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Evan Neal. Um, I like him. I think he's uh, one of the most athletic Lyman coming in at 6'8", 300-something pounds. He moved well at the combine. I think they need to bring some te- um, protection in. Who knows what Davis Mills is going to be going into this year, but why not give him somebody that's going to block for him up front? Yeah, man, y'all put me in a tough spot, man. So I'm between, <laughs> I'm between what more so I believe as opposed to what more so like I would want to happen and where my heart would take me of who I think is the better prospect. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go based upon what I honestly believe more, and I believe more in the Evan Neal pick at this spot, honestly. I believe that. So you were leaning my way a little bit, Ramon? I mean, me personally, if I'm drafting, I'm taking Derek Stingley. Like, if if I'm personally drafting, I'm taking Derek Stingley. I think that Derek Stingley. Los Los don't like these these defensive backs out of LSU. He got the same gripe with with President Mm -hmm. Maul. No, no, no. I never said I don't like – whoa, let's not do that. I never <laughs> right. said I don't like Derek Stingley. I, Derek Stingley is that dude. I just – Jamal Murray uh, – Jamal Murray. <laughs> A lot of NBA going on right now. <laughs> Jamal Adams, that is, is uh, just a guy – I just think he's a one-trick pony. Not, I mean, again, we talked about this. This is well-documented, and I've talked about this. I just think he's a one-trick pony. Hey, he was that guy for some time, though. The injuries kind of slowed him down, yeah. to be honest. He was yeah. that dude for some time. He was. Yeah, yeah. so uh, so so we're going to go uh, officially on the OB mock draft going Evan, uh, Evan Neal, right? Yeah. We'll okay, cool. Cool. I'm good with that. And I, I like that uh, just pairing him with David Mills, like you said. I mean, he's a young quarterback. They say that that's who they believe in. So now why not get somebody to protect his backside? I, I agree with that. that. That's a good pick. So moving along with the fourth pick, we got the New York Jets here. Um, you know, the New York Jets uh, are in the market for our receiver. Do they go wide receiver here? You know, yeah, I, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think because they have two picks, they have a fourth and they have a tenth. I think here, because of the wide receiver class being so deep, that they can kind of see and let the board come to them at 10 and see what happens. So at four, I personally, I think they should go ahead and get sauce right here. You know, they go ahead and get that corner. They got already got Robert Saylor there from 49ers. He's been known to have the long corners, you know, when he was his time with the 49ers. And, you know, so I think you get that big corner over there. You get him a shutdown corner. Their D-line is building over there. And then you start making some noise with that Jets defense. Uh, I disagree here, even though I'm probably, uh, again, Ramon will be uh, left to be our tiebreaker here. 
I think that they should add on to that offensive line. And um, with the, I'm not even going to begin to pronounce this name. Oh, oh, Akeem, nah, we'll yeah. <laughs> Akeem out of North Carolina <laughs> State. Everybody knows who he is. The big offensive tackle. I think that just giving Zach Wilson some more stability on that line would do them well. Um, I, I know that they're in the market for wide receiver. Um, they they did uh, they, they did make some moves there uh, with Elijah Moore. They know what they have in him. They got Corey uh, uh, Davis as as we uh, as we know already. So I mean, I think going here and getting somebody that that can that can cheer up that offensive line, I think that would be a, a good a good move for them uh, in this spot, in my opinion. But I, like I said, Ramon, you you could be the tiebreaker here. It's tough, man, because honestly, at this spot, I probably would go Thibodeau at this spot. But uh, in order to kind of not make this a, a three-way deal <laughs> and to, to break this tie right here, man, I, I'm going I'm to go ahead and uh, I'm not going to go two times against you, Rob. I'm going to go ahead and give you your boy <laughs> <laughs> along that offensive line, give Zach Wilson uh, that protection. I do know that they've done some things to, to work on that line already out there in New York, but I'm going to go ahead and give uh, that additional protection. You know, you, you want to make sure that with Zach Wilson being your prized possession, that you build up that offensive line. You have someone that's going to be there for years. Uh, cornerstone on that offensive line kind of going the route of, of you know what Colts did years ago with uh with uh Peyton Manning and having Jeff Saturday and those guys all that time so you know I think you get that cornerstone and and you go from there so okay yeah, yeah. I was about to look at you man I was like man this must be the episode we disagree on <laughs> <laughs> no nah, but uh with that fifth pick New York Giants are there where y'all see them going you see them going Los. You have yeah. a good conversation on mute right now. Let's <laughs> give that in-depth analysis. Yeah, on so, mute. So, right. so confident. Mute black give me at least one once an episode, man. But I just I think this is where you get your pass rush. You go Thibodeau here. He doesn't fall too far. And I think this is a good spot for him. They've been historically known for their pass rush. When they've been good, they've had a good pass rush. You know, we can talk about the history of their pass rushers with the Giants. But I think this is a good spot to get them one and a guy that was supposed to go top three, you know, maybe even one, you get him right here at this spot. I think it's a good spot to get him. Yeah. I'm going to make it a simple already. I'm going to go ahead and go Thibodeau as well. Now I do think that you have guys like a, a Daniel Jones and also probably Saquon that was hoping that one of the two linemen that we just went back to back with uh, actually was sitting there at that fifth spot. But uh, if Thibodeau was sitting there at five, you can't pass on this guy who at one point was projected to be the number one overall pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Thibodeau as well. There. I think that he, uh, like you to allude to it, Lois, I think uh, during the season, it was far gone conclusion at the beginning of the season that Thibodeau was going to be the number one pick in this draft. Uh, but since uh, he slid down a little bit, so I think that that'll be a good spot for the Giants just to get another another star to sure up uh, another cornerstone for their, for their defensive side of the ball. We got number six. We got the Carolina Panthers. Uh, my team's NFC foe, NFC foe, NFC South foe. Uh, where y'all see him going here? Uh, honestly, there's been reports. You know, this is this is where it gets interesting. They are one of the teams that could throw you a curveball with going to QB route, which for me would be too early going to number six for any of these guys. So you throw around some QBs like Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Uh, but ultimately, I know that it's also been mentioned them going 
with the line and I look at a guy uh, in Charles Cross Cross that uh, is someone that could uh, fill that out from Mississippi State. A redshirt sophomore, still a relatively young guy, but I look at him as somebody potentially at that slick six spot. So I'm going to throw that out there. I like that. I like Charles Cross there. I really do. I like that pick. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I look at that pick and I look at the six pick with Kenny Pickett, right? Kenny Pickett has so many connections with him at that spot, you know, with their head coach over there in Carolina and Matt Rue. Matt Rue actually re- recruited him at Temple, you know, and he's one of those guys. And again, we talk about Kenny Pickett is one of the most pro ready quarterbacks in this league, just from a standpoint of his anticipation and throwing receivers open. He is probably the most NFL ready QB. Again, not saying that he's good, but when you look at the Carolina situation and their quarterbacks and Sam Darnold getting his shot and we see how that turned out, Cam Newton is, is dust at this point. You know, you look at that Kenny Pickett is a situation where he can go in there and at least compete with Sam Darnold. So that's why I like him in that spot. And again, the connections from the college game and then, you know, everybody at the head coach position want to go and get their guy, you know, whether they both lose together and both get fired in a year or two, who knows? But again, that's why I like Kenny. Well, let's be honest. I mean, Matt Rule is on the high seat at this point. So I think that it wouldn't be beyond him to take a shot in the dark and see if he can pick up the pieces on his offense and get him. Uh, but OB officially, we're going to go uh, Charles Cross there. Uh, New York Giants with their seventh pick. Uh, what do y'all think about the Giants going get South Gardner there? Oh, yeah. In agreement there. Yeah. yeah with, with James Bradbury on his way out the door, I think that that'll be a good replacement there. Uh, he is rated uh, the highest. Uh, he was rated, I'm sorry, the ninth highest FBS in uh, coverage uh, with, with 87.2. We know the confidence. We know the measurables. He's a press and lockdown guy. Uh, he's an intelligent corner. So I think that that would be a good cornerstone for the Giants to get somebody in there to add some sauce. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, so we'll move it. Y'all, y'all both will collectively agree with that or we're moving on? I'm just a little we shocked just, by the corniness. That's right. <laughs> we just both pause, right? The what? The corniness that you just – no pun intended. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, some of the listeners like that, though. So, yeah, hey, right, they, they, on, feel good. they feel good about it. And I rain on my parade. <laughs> so, the Atlanta Hawks, another NFC. Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I mean, Atlanta Falcons. Right, you <laughs> you see a bird, crazy, you just right? <laughs> Bro, I'm in NBA playoff mode. <laughs> yeah, we, we are forced to do this NFL draft segment. But the Atlanta Falcons with that eighth pick, they're in rebuild mode, it's safe to say. Um, unfortunately, as an NFC South foe, I don't want this to be the case, but let's be real. They are struggling at that wide receiver position, and Jamison Williams will be available there. They love – they have a history of taking Alabama wide receivers, whether it be your boy Julio – whether it be your boy Calvin really who's suspended all season long. So I want they continue to trend and take uh, Alabama, uh, Jamison Williams. Do y'all agree with me there or no? I, I mean, it, I can see it happening. Yeah. You know, I definitely can see that happening. That's a great point. I didn't even think about their history with Alabama receivers. But when I look at them, I'm, I think they pass on the quarterback here. I know there's a lot of chatter here, too, with Marcus Mariota not being the guy. I like actually Jermaine Johnson. There's an edge rusher. You know, when you leave, lose a Dante Fowler, they released him. They're really hurting on that defensive line. I like Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State as one of those guys that come in and can make an immediate impact. You know, we talk about premium position, quarterback, left tackle, 
and um, pass rushers. You know, those three right there, are one of three of the most premium positions in the NFL. I think they're going to get them a pass rusher. Obviously, if Thibodeau, none of those guys. I fall. like it. I like it too because they're NFC South foe and we need a right receiver. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, right here, I would say I'm leaning towards the weapon. Honestly, if it were me personally, I'm a Garrett Wilson guy over Jamison Williams. I know that, you know, maybe not a lot of people feel that way, but I'm a Garrett Wilson guy. I'm just throwing it out here right now. The listeners can hear 2022 draft. Garrett Wilson is my guy uh, from can we, my receiver position. Can we please do our top five receivers in this draft before this is over week? I just want to see how different it is. Yeah, we definitely will. Yeah, uh, but uh, so, but but with with this with it being said, to go ahead and break the tie right now, to go ahead and break the time ago, Jamison Williams, because uh, I believe that they just need a weapon right now. Honestly, just somebody outside of Kyle Pitts. They need somebody. Um, yeah. And just looking right now with them, of course. Um, losing a guy to Russell Gage in this offseason, him heading to Tampa. Uh, we already know the Calvin Ridley situation. That's, that's Los's guy, about. Russell Gage. How many <laughs> yeah. trade packages can right. Los put together for Russell Gage in, right. in a single offseason? Wait, whoa, man. Y'all don't sleep on Russell, man. Y'all don't sleep on like Russell Gage. Russell. I like Russell Gage, man. No, Even I like though he Russell did absolutely Gage. nothing in absence of Calvin Ridley last year. Absolutely nothing. Whoa, I think that's really a little far to say. Oh my god! Yeah, I think that's a little far to say. Absolutely, I, mean, I, I don't don't take it literally as I'm saying absolutely nothing. But in in Calvin Ridley's absence, I would have thought that we would have seen some type of emergence, and we did not. <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not expecting Los to agree with this. <laughs> All right, so no, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll go at this spot, Jamison Williams, man. We'll we'll go there. I, I think the weapon is uh is big time. I think they really need that in Atlanta. All right. Well, number nine, let's head over to Seattle and see what pick they have for us. A pick that they picked up in the Denver trade for Russell Wilson. Go ahead. Ramon. I want to chime in here. I think that, one. yeah, because we, we didn't take him off the board at three because I went the other direction. There are reports that uh, Derek Stingley is not sliding past nine. I'm just throwing it out there. There are reports right now that, that of course, you know, lately, of course, he's flying up the board, but they're saying he's not sliding past nine. So I'm going to just go out there and put that, you know, claim out there early, put another LSU guy in that secondary. Uh, and, so you're going Derek Stingley. Go Derek Stingley. Wow. I mean, my thing is, I, I, I think Derek Stingley gets out of the top 10. But again, I, I, I'll go with agreement there because he's just that special to me. But I think, again, people are afraid of that injury history, that recency bias. You know, the same thing that happened with Jamison Williams. You know, you look at him. He probably would have been the best receiver in this class if it wasn't for this injury. He probably would have been the number one receiver taken. Again, he still could be, not saying he can't. But again, those injury and those recency bias, some of those DMs kind of like, and eh, you know, and I think and that I feel like they take it a serious L because I think Derek Stingley probably one of the best prospects in this draft. Right. Yeah. I think I got him at 12. I mean, I know we're not gonna go that far, but I got him going to the Vikings. Yes, Matt uh, Matt Miller came out recently and tweeted and basically said that like right now this week currently Derek Stingley is really the hottest name on the board that he's buzzing potentially even in top three like we talked about the the Houston pick mm-hmm. that he's mm-hmm. buzzing at that point and they and he said that basically they're saying that nine is the floor for him that pretty much GMs he's even said that GMs have told him they would have quit on that 2020 LSU team too basically. So uh, they really are, yeah, they really are taking a look at that 2019 film. They're taking a look at all the measurables and feeling that he can get to that point. You know, I, it, 
it may just all be here saying them. Of course, you know, there's so many pre-draft rumors. So and a lot of people like to drum up interest for names so that it can benefit them. But, you know, one rule of thumb, I've always <laughs> one rule of thumb. I always listen to never listen to the rumors the week <laughs> of the draft. Never listen to the rumors of the week of the draft. But again, he could go. Who knows, man? But I just got him outside of the top 10. Just because. All right. So let's move on. So at the number 10th spot, which will wrap up our mock draft, the OB mock draft for this year, I'm going to go Drake London here for the Jets. They've been yearning for a wide receiver. Why not give him Drake? Why not take Drake London, 6'5", big body receiver, uh, weighs 210, ran a 4'5 in the combine. Uh, I mean, you can't really go wrong here with any of the top five receivers, which we'll get into in a minute about this deep wide receiver class. But I think with Drake London, I don't think you can go wrong here. And I think that the that they would benefit from getting Garrett Wilson with our first pick. We gave him some offensive line help and then giving him a weapon. I mean, the sky can only be high from there if they what? if they can't trade for Debo. So you said Drake London? Yeah. Okay. Uh, can't get no Garrett Wilson love, huh? Because Garrett Wilson <laughs> would be, be the guy. I want him for my right Saints, there. Ramon. I'm not even going <laughs> to speak that <laughs> That's the that's the only reason why I won't win. Because <laughs> I want him to slash. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and take Drake London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I like Drake though. I like Drake for the same. He's building this mic off of what's farmer to But anyway, man, I, I, I think it's gonna be a receiver here. I think this is the most especially if they don't get a receiver in any type of trade. And the, the trade was gonna happen, it's gonna happen before the draft, because you again a lot of these trades involve draft picks and things like that. So it only makes sense that if they still hold this pick at 10, that they take a receiver. And I'm in agreement with Drake London. He's actually my guy, my number one guy coming into this uh, receiver group. I like Drake London that much. No, I, I'm a, I mean, it, it's two to one right there. So I think it's already been said. <laughs> Drake London is the guy. Okay, okay. All right. So speaking of which, the wide receiver class, which is interesting, that's probably the deepest position in this draft. And we got a bunch of names that's on the board that we didn't get to just because we did uh, only did 10 picks. Uh, make sure that you check us out on O underscore Bitch Women's because these picks on our mock draft will be posted up on our Instagram and uh, Facebook uh, and as well as our Twitter. So uh, if you want to kind of review what we had going uh, just check us out, O underscore bench warmers, or search opinionated bench warmers on Facebook. Uh, let's get into these receivers, guys. A really, really deep class. Um, um, let's let's hear it, man. I mean, let's go through our top five, our personal top five of guys who we feel like is on the board. Um, Los, you can kick us off. You've been leading us off uh, all episode. Who's yeah. your number one guy on your wide receiver board? Do y'all want to okay. do five to one? Are they only one to five? I mean, do you want to just go to each group and just run off their five? How do you want to do it? It doesn't matter to me either way. Yeah, we could just do it like that. Run off, yeah, run off. Okay. For me, I got uh, for number five position, I got uh, uh, Chris Olive. Uh, here we go. Olive. Oh, go. Olive. <laughs> I don't know why I read it. Olive. I got Chris Olave at five. I got uh, – I got uh, – uh, George Pickens at four. I got uh, Garrick Wilson at three. I got Jamison Williams at two. And I got Drake London at one. Ooh, no Traylon Burks love, huh? No, I got Traylon Burks falling out of my top five. Yeah, Tra- Traylon Burks is sitting there at six for me. I'll run off my top five right quick, too. Uh, at five, I have uh, I have George Pickens at five. 
I have at four, Chris Olave. At three is where I have Drake London. At two, I have Jamison Williams. And at one, man, I'm a Garrett Wilson guy, just like I tried to fight for him to be in our top ten. He's my number one wide receiver. All right, that leaves me. So I'm going to go Traylon Burks at five. This is what all the things that he do. He give me those Debo Samuel vibes, just sitting all he can do in the open field. Uh, Chris Olave at number four at Ohio State, which I'm a huge fan of coming into uh, the draft because I think my Saints have a real shot at him. And he also interviewed with us, and he said he would love to play with MT. So he always get a special sport portion of my heart. Uh, Drake London at three. I think he's an ultimate talented guy. I think he may be the best receiver in this draft, honestly. Um, but I think based on needs and everything, it's, you know, it's up, it's up there. I don't think you go wrong with these top three, though. Uh, then you got – I got Jamison Wilson at two, and Garrett Wilson is my number one guy uh, on my list. Like you were saying, man, it's, it's, it's so tough. Like, these guys that are up here, really yeah. in that top five, or especially <laughs> like you say, when you get to even that top three, it's, yeah. it's give or take. It's sometimes what kind of situation you are as a team, right. like what you really need, what type of uh, style exactly. of receiver you need. Like, it's – it's right. give or take, you know. I, I'm right. just a Garrett Wilson guy, but I know you right. are, you ready to get your Drake London take off, Los. I know you were ready to take off with it. Oh, we didn't I discuss so. the. We got to discuss this too. Uh, I know our New Orleans Saints fan wants to dissect who we gonna take with these two first round picks too. Yeah, yeah I mean, this conversation will segue into it. I think honestly, yeah, I think. right. Go ahead, Los. No, I just I look at it and I'm like, I would like to revisit this after the draft because again, like you mentioned, it's it is situational. When I look at it, I'm looking at the situation as if each one of these wide receivers in a situation like where they go to the Packers, right? If I mark them as all five of these guys are in a situation they go to the Packers pre-draft where they have a good quarterback that can get them the ball, this is how I rank it. And this is how I think who will produce more in that situation. Mm -hmm. Now, you look at it post-draft when these guys, somebody's going to go to the Jets, somebody's going to go to a situation where their quarterback is still learning how to be a quarterback. You look at his post-draft, doesn't mean that player is not good, right? We've seen right. Odell Beckham go with Baker Mayfield. and He just <laughs> turned into, like, an average Joe, and then he finally get a quarterback, and he starts scoring touchdowns. We've seen those situations happen before. So, again, this is how I look at it now in pre-draft. But post-draft, Drake London may go to somebody like the Jets again, and then he's only getting three or four targets a game, and, you know, he's not flashing. And then in our heads, we like, Garrett Wilson was the better guy. Like, no, this situation sucks, you know? So, again, I would like to – Again, revisited post-draft. I've seen some comparison with Jamison Williams of, uh, being Tyreek Hill. And I kind of see it. I mean, he's 6'2", but with the speed, he ran a 4'2 in the, in the draft. And he's a good route runner. And he's a burner. I mean, and he got great hands. Like, imagine, like, I think he would be, if you was able to use your imagination and think Tyreek Hill was like 6'2", 6'3", you got Jamison Williams. What are y'all thoughts on that? No, I, I like it. Um, again, it's, it's going to always be Tariq Hill's comparisons every draft, right? But, again, yeah, I like it. Run speed. Right, right, when they're fast. But what makes him different is his in and out of cuts, his change and stop and go, his speed and his capabilities to do that. You know, and, again, that's what makes Tariq Hill so special is he's not only just a fast guy. How many fast guys come in the league and just can't? <laughs> do anything can't right. track the ball can't do anything he can actually track the ball he his sudden stop and go you know the change of speed and his pickup his acceleration I think that's what makes Tariq Hill special is his acceleration I think Jameson Williamson with his tracking of the ball and his acceleration does that and I think that I like that comparison if he can fall somewhere to the Chiefs I, I got the number two pick in the dynasty league 
he's probably not going to play the first six weeks or the first eight weeks of this year. But again, he's one of those guys that you wait on <laughs> like, all right, I'll just sit on him, you know, and wait until, but if he can fall to a team like the chiefs, <laughs> oh, that's a, a sure not, number two pick. He's not falling to the Chiefs. <laughs> right. He's not. Falling hey, the Chiefs got two picks in the first round. They can move up and they get move up. up. They can move yeah, up. Yeah, they can move up. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, I mean, they kind of transition. We know that the New Orleans Saints are in the market for their second guy behind MT to see upcoming season. Uh, they did trade for two first round picks, which would, uh, which uh, calculated out to be the uh, 16th pick. Am I wrong? In the 19th pick? I think I'm wrong. No, it's yeah, it's 16 and 19. 16 uh, and 19 uh from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh I think personally as a fan, I think where some needs are needed is uh that left tackle position, which was left abs- absent when uh Aristotle uh, Aristotle. Why do I keep Aristotle? Doing it? <laughs> oh my god. Armstead uh signed to the Miami Dolphins. Um Keep in mind, Armstead was not healthy for a lot of that time. So we think we could go a tackle with one of those picks and a wide receiver with the other one, which kind of um, bridges our conversation that we're having right now. Uh, but uh, wide receiver that I would love for us to snag, man. Like if it was, if it's the perfect scenario, because I'm afraid of the, I'm afraid of the either the Jets jumping us or uh, the Panthers deciding they want to jump us as well. Um, but uh, ultimately, who I feel like will be there for us. Um, I, I would love for uh, I would love for Garrett Wilson to fall to us. Ultimately, if that happens, that would be like the dream situation because I feel like with his speed and his route running, I think that he can complement MT really, really well. Um, and he he stretches the field. He'll give us that stretch that we need. But I think if Garrett Wilson ends up with the Saints, I feel like. Los is going to jump me in the fantasy draft and take Garrett Wilson ahead of me, and I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> but I think that ultimately he will end up in a land spot where he'll be very successful. Yeah, I, this is what I would say. I think that Garrett Wilson is ideal, but I honestly believe that Garrett Wilson is going to – I hate to crush your dreams, all that. I, I don't want to crush him. <laughs> Look at him. Check him out. Look yeah, him. I really think that Chris Olave is going to be the guy there. I think that Chris oh, Olave is – Can't go wrong with him either. Right. I like him too. And I think that he still fits that prototype. He still is a guy that ran in the four – late four twos. He's a guy that um, he can stretch the field. He's a burner as well. And I think that he would still be a perfect complement to MT and what MT brings – to that receiving core. So I still think that he's your burner. He still was one that can get down the field, big play threat. Um, and he showed that throughout several years at Ohio State. Um, and so I think that honestly, I think he's more of a realistic shot there. Of course, yeah. if Gary Wilson is sitting there at 16 or whatever, you take Gary Wilson, but I think Chris Olave is more realistic to be sitting there. Yeah, I like Chris Olave a lot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, are we just talking one pick or are we talking both? Just once, yeah. No, I look at it. I think you guys, you got to find your replacement with Armstead. You know, and who if something's gonna fall to there, a receiver is gonna be there. A receiver and a good receiver is gonna be on the board, probably for both picks. And then you know, it's whether they take it or not. The Saints have been historic, historically taking offensive alignment in the first round. That's what they do. They build up. They, the they also take defense alignment in the first round. So again, you just never know with this Saints team. You just never know. So again. The fans always said every year, let's go get a receiver. Let's go get a guy. We need a number two guy. Again, let's say they don't do that. 
I would say the Saints shock everybody go get a quarterback and offensive lineman with these picks. And don't go get a receiver and wait because this class is so deep and go get a guy in the second, third round. I don't know how many picks they have. I don't know. I'm not tracking on their picks. But, again, go get somebody that's not really being talked about as maybe not these top guys. Well, and then – Justin Ross. Right. You go get Sky Moore, some guy like that, right? And then uh, Alec Pierce, another guy that ran in the 4-2, 4-3s. That is a beast, a, a big size, size combo guy. But you look at that situation, then you go and sign a Jarvis Landry after the draft. And then it's like, okay, they built this thing right. They got a quarterback for the future. They got an office alignment. They went and got a developmental piece, and they went and got the vet to sit next to Michael Thomas. That's what I think is ideal for them. Again, we like as fans, we want them to go get one of these cute, sexy guys. But, again, oh. it's the same. <laughs> we know we talk about <laughs> Oh, that ended the segment. <laughs> yeah, segment over, man. Mike. <laughs> I'm. I agree with it. I, I like that. I like that strategy. Other than Jameis Winston is not an old man. Jameis Winston is like what 26. So I don't really find it really necessary unless you just don't believe in Jameis. But if you committed to Jameis already, um, I don't really see why you would go quarterback there. Even though I'm seeing some of my drafts has us taking a Malik, a Malik Willis, but. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that we're in this win-now mentality. I think that we got to go ahead and fill those needs. Um, so with the second pick, like you said, with those with those for Rodgers, I do agree we probably would end up, depending on which wide receiver is up there, because I do feel like if, if Olave is up there, Garrett Wilson, or any of those guys, you got to go wide receiver first. Um, but uh, offensive tackle-wise, who I've been looking at, who may be available, because I, I know Evan Neal is going to be gone. Uh, I know that uh, – Charles Cross is most likely going to be gone. Um, I think a guy like uh, – sorry, sorry, guys. I'm splitting through my notes here. Bear with me. Uh, a guy like uh, Trevor Penny, uh, I think that he's up there. He's like – I think he's the second-rated uh, offensive tackle on the board, but he's the sixth-rated offensive lineman on the board. But uh, I think that'll be a guy that probably we probably target just to kind of – I don't think you replace Olmstead because he's an all-pro – uh, tackle, but I think you you just began to kind of just you know get some type of replacement there. No, no, I could definitely see that. Um, one thing that I saw floated around in, in um, a couple of uh, discussions and mocks as well too is Jordan Davis from uh, from Georgia, the the big D tackle, the one who's about 350, 360 pounds, but. Ran a sub five and a 40, and he's kind of just a freak of nature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw that thrown around as well, but uh, I, I still along the lines of of uh, offensive tackle and, uh, and wide receiver, but, hey, who knows? Who knows? Well, man, I think that that may be it. Uh, I think we can kind of discuss who's a sleeper guy, who y'all like in this draft that no one – that you feel like no one's talking about. Wow, that's kind of putting on the spot. Um, I think I kind of mentioned him a little bit um, as the receiver. Um, Alec Pierce, he's one of those guys that I think ran way better than a lot of people thought he would. I mean, he was one of those guys that he played well and tracked the ball well, but at 6'3", 208 pounds and ran a 4'4", 40, you know, and then he had the production in college. And that was one of the things that you want to look at the receiver position is having production. Um, and Alec Pierce, he had production in college and he has the size. So, again, he's going to be one of those positions you're going to have to watch 
in round two to three, you know, see if he goes um, and where does he go? Because he can be one of those dynasty draft guys that you can grab maybe in the third round. Hence why I've been trying to get a third round pick around here. Yeah, I think uh, I think hey, hey, he giving he, he giving flashback of his guy out of uh, out of the Rams, man. He loved him. He loved those types of guys, those six three guys, fly under the radar type guys. Is that is that what you think he's gonna mimic? That's who you compare him to? No, I'm not definitely not comparing him to Cooper Cup. But <laughs> as far as size, I mean, he has more speed than Cooper coming out of the out of the uh, draft, but. But as far as size and tracking the ball, I like him a lot. Again, it just all depends on situations. He get on a bad situation, he may fall behind and not, you know, be seen. But if he put in the right situation where he's given a shot, he can have like an Alan Lazar-type career. Again, we're not talking crazy career, but we're talking about at least productive in the right situation. Uh, I, I guess I'll chime in too as well, man, because we talked about how deep this draft is as a receiver. At the receiver position, I think that a deep sleeper – is uh, Wandell Robinson out of Kentucky, led the SEC in receiving this past season. Uh, I think that he's one of those guys that you can put him in a slot. Of course, he is a smaller guy, smaller frame and all of that, but I do think that he's one of those guys that you can look at kind of high catch volume. He's one you can kind of quickly get the ball in his hands. He can make things um, – you know, flow with it. I think he has about a 4-4 speed, so it doesn't seem as elite speed-wise, but that's still, you know, nice speed, and then he showed the production. I think he had over 100 receptions this past season at Kentucky, um, and he's one that, you know, has shown the college production, and I think that he's a, a deeper sleeper. He's one that, you know, you don't take him within the first two rounds, maybe not even first three rounds, I don't know, but he's a guy that you can get production out of if you're looking to uh, grab someone later in the draft. Yeah, I'm going to go. I gave mine away a little earlier, but I think Justin Ross, uh, you know, we know Justin Ross. I mean, I think he probably would have been a day one guy if he wouldn't have got that gruesome injury uh, a, a while back. But I think he's another guy that I think will slide under the radar just because of his injury history. But that's a guy that's 6'4", um, is, is a good – can high-peak high the ball, uh, is a guy that can find the ball, is a good receiver, is very productive, uh, had some good years with Trevor Lawrence as well. Um, but I, he's a, he's a, he's an excellent prospect. I think somebody could probably get him in day two. Yeah, and I think another thing I don't know if you chiming in on the Justin Ross thing, but just another one of throwing out there when you started to mention injury history and and the problems and stuff. I know that uh, my guy Damone Clark is sliding down the board now. I think that he's going to be a value pick late. Of course, you're looking at a guy that is is possible that he may be out his entire rookie year or a sizable portion of it. Uh, but he's a guy that, honestly, if he were healthy, he was probably going to be second round, if at worst, maybe a third round pick that you're able to kind of get at that sixth or potentially seventh round value that they're saying he may fall to at this point. So uh, I think he's a guy that if you're not in immediate need of production and a guy that you can maybe stash for your team, uh, I think that Damone Clark will be a heck of a pick because I think he will honestly end up getting past this injury situation. Right. And I'll do one last bonus one and I'll do a, a running back, uh, James Cook. I know he's not as necessarily a sleeper pick at this point, but he's not talking about in the first two rounds. But I like James Cook a lot just from the fact of his bloodline, obviously, with his brother Dalvin Cook being in the league. And we've seen Dalvin being productive in this league. But James Cook is going to come into this league and he's not going to necessarily be between the tackles type of guy. But he's he's he caught the ball well. And, uh, at Georgia. And so I can see him coming in and having at least a third down role in the NFL. So I'm keeping a close eye on him where he lands in that third, fourth round range uh, towards the end of the draft or towards the middle of the draft. 
That's good, man. I think it's wrapped up. And uh, again, congratulations to all these guys, even the guys that we didn't mention, who names going to be called on Thursday. Maybe sure to check the graph out. It's on, I think they show it on ESPN. I know they showed it on ESPN. <laughs> uh, on the 28th, uh, Thursday, the draft starts um, 7, 7 o'clock Eastern, I want to say. Uh, make sure that you check it out. But congrats to those guys whose lives will change forever. Thank you for rocking with the OB team who have wrapped it up again, covering the NFL draft. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to us on Panated Bench Warmers. That's the podcast on any platform that you like to listen to your podcast. Follow us on social media. You'll find our mock draft on all our socials. O underscore Bench Warmer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure that you follow us on uh, Panated Bench Warmers on Facebook as well. And if you listen to the radio in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, you can find us every Thursday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. as part of a Simply Simone show, 99.1 FM in the Baton Rouge and New Orleans uh, markets. You can find us every Thursday, 9 a.m. to 12 as part of the Simply Simone show. So until next time, we are out of here. Later.